Hello all, and welcome to The Next Generation, AF2 and a free podcast. My name is Ryan, and on this episode, we'll be the preview of the upcoming Formula 3 round at the Circuit of Monaco in Monte Carlo, Monaco. This will be the third round of the season in this year's FI Formula 3 Championship, where after this round, we'll be going to Spain for the fourth round of the season next week. To get a better understanding of Monaco for this upcoming weekend, here are some things to note about the country itself. Monaco, also known as the Principality of Monaco, is both a sovereign city-state and micro-state on the French Riviera. It is a few kilometres west of the Italian region of Liguria. It is bordered to the north, east and west by France. Monaco is widely considered by many to be one of the most expensive as well as wealthiest places in the world. It has a grand total of four traditional quarters from the west to the east, which are Fonteville, Monacoville, La Condamina, and Monte Carlo. It is 15 kilometers or 9.30 miles from the border of Italy. The Principality of Monaco is governed under a former constitutional monarchy with Prince Albert II as the head of state, who himself exerts immense political power despite his constitutional status. It is considered to be a tax haven as Monaco itself has no personal income tax as well as low business taxes with approximately 30% of the people that reside in the Principality are also millionaires. The total area of the Principality is 2.10 km squared, or 0.810 square miles, which makes it the second smallest sovereign state in the world only behind that of Vatican City. As of 2023, the population of Monaco is approximately 40,058. Now, onto the Circuit de Monaco. The circuit was opened on the 14th of April, 1929. The distance of the circuit over one lap is 3.337 kilometers or 2.074 miles, with a grand total of 19 corners that make up the entire track. The lap record around the circuit on the old Grand Prix layout in GP3 was set by Marlon Stockinger during the second race of the weekend in 2012 with 128.747 on the 11th lap of the race. Certain characteristics of the circuit include Sandovot, also known as Turn 1, which can be extremely satisfying for a driver if they can get it right, but the slightest error onto the approach to the corner can prove to be quite costly, in that a driver either goes down the escape road, which is the best case scenario, but more times than not, an accident will be caused as a consequence for going slightly too deep at Turn 1. It is best to not try any heroics into Sandovot in that regard. Mirabeau Hoot, also known as Turn 5, is at the very end of the first sector in the lap, where it is quite common to lock up in that section where, just like with Turn 1, a driver, if they have made an error onto the approach towards the corner, then there is an escape road, but unlike with Sandovot, is a lot more tighter, where a driver will usually reverse out of the escape road instead of flick spin the car around. While not as common for an incident to occur at Turn 5 in comparison to Turn 1, it is still very possible for an accident to happen which potentially could block the track. The tunnel, 
also known as turn 9, is a long sweeping corner that the driver will take at full throttle. It is also a major section of the track that can be really rewarding if it is subsequently hooked up right and additionally doing just that can then set up a driver well for the rest of the lap as a result. However, in saying that, the slightest misjudgment whilst in the tunnel either via substantial contact with the wall and or venturing on the dirty line coming out of the corner itself can very much result in a massive accident being the end result. The Nouvelle Chicane, also known as Turn 10 and Turn 11, is arguably the best place for making an overtake at a circuit that is famous for its limited overtaking opportunities. A great run from the tunnel can then set up a driver to make an overtake down the inside of the chicane, which if timed just right, can put them at an advantage coming out of the corner itself. It is a corner that the last of the late breakers fury can really be put to the test. But if they are attempting a move in that manner, and as for that manner, any overtaking attempt at the Nouvelle Chicane, it is quite essential to know that the gap that may exist at the beginning of the move may dramatically be shut on them within a split second from the driver on the outside. So time in the move is incredibly important to avoid an accident then being made. To back, also known as turn 12, is a fast left bend corner that will then take the driver to turn 13 and turn 14, which with enough momentum, as they have both gone through the into the corner and subsequently have come out of it, can be crucial for not only the remainder of the lap itself, but altogether a good lap outright. Louis Chiron, also known as turn 13 and turn 14, is a very rapid and fast left-right complex, that the risk versus reward is insanely high, as just like with the tunnel, the slightest misjudgment by a driver made at that section can seriously result in a massive accident with substantial contact with the barrier either by running too wide approaching the corner or going directly onto the curb, which potentially can then launch the car directly into the wall. However, if everything is hooked up well through the two corners, then it will set the driver up for turn 15 and turn 16. The swimming pool section, also known as turn 15 and turn 16, is a right-left chicane that if it is taken well, will massively be to the benefit of the driver itself. However, while utilising every last part of the track that a driver possibly can, it is also especially crucial to judge the chicane just right, because if not, then they will more than likely go directly into the barrier with significant damage typically with the front right suspension being the most damaged from the contact made. La Rascas, also known as Turn 17, is a tight and slow right chicane that both a good entry and subsequent exit from the corner will then set the driver up for the final two corners of the lap. Due to its tight proximity of the corner, there isn't a lot of room to get away from a mistake as the barrier will most likely be where they end up if a mistake is made. Ironically enough, despite it on the surface being one of the least likely places on the track to make it overtake at, it has been achieved more times than you may actually think. But as well, to get a move there done in the first place, you need to be aggressive and hope that the driver on the outside leaves enough room to complete the overtake, because contact with the inside barrier will potentially occur if the gap is suddenly closed without enough time to react to it. Anthony Nogues, also known as Turn 18 and Turn 19, 
are the final two corners of the lap around Monaco, which will lead the driver onto the main straight and complete the lap itself. An overtake is possible if the driver behind has both activated DRS and is very close to the car ahead, where a battle to the line has occurred in the past with the late Antoine Hubert and Louis Delatraz during the sprint race in 2019 for Formula 2, where the final gap between the two drivers across the line was 0.056 seconds, which Hubert was the one that on that day that prevailed for what was his main victory in FI Formula 2. And to end off this section about the circuit in regards to his one there, there has been a grand total of two different race winners since 2012. As of this recording, while it will be the first time the Formula 3 will be racing at Monaco, the previous iteration of the championship, GP3, contested a round at the circuit of Monaco in 2012. As for the last time that they raced there, it was Aero Venio, on pole position for Lotus GP with a 128.008. In the first race of the weekend, the podium was Aero Venio in first for Lotus GP, Tamas Palkis in second for CRS Grand Prix, and Kevin Sison in third for Ocean Racing Technology. The fast lap of that race was achieved by... Kevin Sison with a 128.857 on the 18th lap of the race. In the second race of the weekend, the podium was Marlon Stockinger in first for Status Grand Prix, Antonio Felix da Costa in second for Carlin, and Daniel Abt in third for Lotus GP. The fast lap of that race was achieved by the aforementioned Marlon Stockinger with a 128.747 on the 11th lap of the race. In between the break after the second round of the season in Australia and the upcoming round in Monaco, FI Formula 3 had two in-season tests in Imola and Barcelona, in which Gabriel Bortoletto and Gabriele Mini topped the times on day one and day two in Barcelona, and Nikita Bedrin and Gabriel Bortoletto topped the times on day one and two in Imola. In more detail about the in-season FI Formula 3 tests, here are the top 10 in the final classifications for each day at these particular tests. For day 1 at the Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya, it was in first, Gabriel Bortoletto for 127.221. Second, Gregoire Saucy. Third, Dina Baganovic. Fourth, Taylor Barnard. Fifth, Zacho Sullivan. Sixth, Gabriele Mini. Seventh, Mari Boyer. Eighth, Sebastian Montoya. 9th, Paul Aron, and 10th, Pepe Marti. For day 2 at the Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya, it was in 1st, Gabriele Mini with a 126.319, 2nd, Taylor Barnard, 3rd, Gregoire Saucy, 4th, Paul Aron, 5th, Pepe Marti, 6th, Christian Mansell, 7th, Mari Boyer, 8th, Nikola Solov, 9th, Sebastian Montoya, and 10th, Franco Colapinto. For day one at the Autodromo Internazionale and Duodino Ferrari, it was in first, Nikita Bedrin with a 130.368. Second, Gabriel Bortoletto. Third, Dina Beganovic. Fourth, Gabriele Mini. Fifth, Pepe Marti. Sixth, Gregoire Saucy. Seventh, Paul Aron. Eighth, Mari Boyer. Ninth, Oliver Gerfer. And tenth, Nicholas Solov. 
for day two at the Autodromo Internazionale in Tordina Ferrari, it was in first Gambia Bortoletto with a 130.312. Second, Nikita Bedrin. Third, Franco Colapinto. Fourth, Taylor Barnard. Fifth, Dina Beganovic. Sixth, Pepe Marti. Seventh, Paul Ron. Eighth, Gregoire Saucy. Ninth, Luke Browning. And tenth, Kerry Collette. Given you the overall rundown on how the race weekend, based on the track time in Monaco, will be set out is that Thursday, we'll have the free practice session at 1.30pm. Friday, we'll have qualifying with qualifying group A at 11.10am and qualifying group B at 11.34am. Saturday, we'll have the sprint race at 11.15am where the grid will be set from reversing the top 12 and qualifying. Sunday, we'll have the feature race at 8am where the grid will be set by the results from qualifying. Qualifying for Formula 3 in Monaco is different to any other qualifying session that is contested in Formula 3. In how congested it would get with everyone on the track in Monaco, instead of having all 30 cars out on the circuit at the same time, they are put into two groups of what I assume will be 15, which are qualifying group A and qualifying group B. With the duration of the two races that will be contested, the sprint race will be 23 laps and 76.750 kilometers in length. The feature race will be 27 laps and 90.100 kilometers in length. As of this recording, the weather forecast for the Formula 3 round in Monaco is that Thursday will have rain showers with a highest temperature of 21 degrees Celsius and a lowest temperature of 16 degrees Celsius with a humidity of 79%, a wind speed of 13 km an hour, and an 80% chance of precipitation. Friday will be sunny, with a highest temperature of 23 degrees Celsius and a lowest temperature of 17 degrees Celsius, with a humidity of 56%, and a wind speed of 11 km an hour. Saturday will have rain showers of highest temperature of 23 degrees Celsius and a lowest temperature of 18 degrees Celsius, with a humidity of 64%, a wind speed of 13 km an hour, and a 70% chance of precipitation. Sunday will be rain showers, with a highest temperature of 23 degrees Celsius and a lowest temperature of 17 degrees Celsius, with a humidity of 64%, a wind speed of 14 km an hour, and a 60% chance of precipitation. The driver and team lineups for the third round of the 2023 FI Formula 3 Championship are as follows. For Prema, it is Paul Ron of Estonia, Dina Boganovic of Sweden, and Zaka Sullivan of England. For Trident, it is Leonardo Fornaroli of Italy, Gabriel Bortoletto of Brazil, and Oliver Gerfer of Germany. For ART, it is Kellen Frederick of the United States of America, Gregoire Saucy of Switzerland, and Nicolas Solov of Bulgaria. For MP Motorsport, it is Franco Colapinto of Argentina, Mari Boy of Spain, and Johnny Edgar of England. For high tech, it is Sebastian Monto of Colombia, Gabriele Mini of Italy, and Luke Browning of England. For VAR, it is Kay Coletta of Brazil, Rafael Villagomez of Mexico, and Tommy Smith of Australia. For Carlin, it is Oliver Gray of England, Hunter Yanni of the United States of America, and Ida Cohen of Israel. For Campos, it is Pepe Marti of Spain, Christian Mance of Australia, and Hugh Barter of Australia. For Genza, it is Nikita Bedrin of Italy, 
Taylor Barnard of England, and Alejandro Garcia of Mexico. For PHM Racing, it is Sofia Floresh of Germany, Roberto Ferri of Brazil, and Pitor Wisnicki of Poland. Next up are the top 10 drivers and top 5 teams in the respective championship standings going to Monaco are as follows. In first is Gabriel Bortoletto with 58 points. In second is Gregoire Saucy with 38 points. In third is Dino Boganovic with 28 points. In fourth is Gabriele Mini with 28 points. In fifth is Pepe Marti with 25 points. In sixth is Oliver Gerfer with 23 points. In 7th is Paul Avron with 22 points. In 8th is Zach O'Sullivan with 20 points. In 9th is Leonardo Fornaroli with 19 points. And in 10th is Luke Browning with 14 points. And the top 5 teams currently in the FI Formula 3 Teams Championship going to Monaco are as follows. In 1st is Trident with 100 points. In 2nd is Prema with 70 points. In 3rd is Hitech with 54 points. In 4th is ART with 45 points, and in 5th is Campos with 29 points. Before the episode comes to an end, as I mentioned in the previous episode, a new addition to the podcast going forward will be profiling a driver in either the FI Formula 2 Championship or the FI Formula 3 Championship for potentially each round preview. The main objective of doing this is to give you, the listener, more of an idea about a specific driver in either championship whilst for the most part won't be always running with a particular theme or relation to the upcoming round of the championship. A quick thing of note with this particular driver profile, it was planned for the called off round in Imola last week, but due to the round not going ahead, the preview of the Imola round for F3, which would have included the driver profile, was not released. In the first F3 driver profile for the podcast, It'll be Italian Formula 3 driver for high-tech, Gabriele Mini. As the driver profile shows as follows. Name, Gabriele Mini. Date of birth, 20th of March 2005. Place of birth, Palermo, Italy. Team, high-tech. Race number, 15. Record in FIO Formula 3 so far. Four races, one podium, one pole position. Overview of his time in FI Formula 3 so far. In 2023, he came into his debut season in Formula 3 with high tech from the Formula Regional European Championship by Alpine, where he was the vice champion in 2022, which in that particular championship season includes such drivers as Paul Ron, Dina Boganovic, Sebastian Montoya, Leonardo Fornaroli, Hamda Al Kubasi, Eduardo Barrichello, Gabriel Bortoletto, Hadrian David, Michael Belov, Mari Boyer, and Peter Wisnicki. So far in Mini's first season with high tech, oh, his fellow teammates are Luke Browning and the aforementioned Sebastian Montoya. At the opening round of the season in Bahrain, as well as his first round of the championship, he replicated exactly what Franco Colapinto achieved at Bahrain last season where Mini qualified first and subsequently pole position on debut. However, at the start of the sprint race, as he got away from the line, his car went into anti-stall, which from the offset practically ruined any chance of scoring points in that race, where he dramatically dropped down the order as a result. But he did recover well through safety car interventions, 
where he finished 17th in the final classification. As for the feature race, from the line he slotted into second behind Bortoletto at the start of the race, where he remained behind him until after the safety car restart on lap 10, where with momentum, pulled off a great overtake around the outside of Bortoletto going through turn 5, turn 6 and turn 7, of which he held on to the lead until the very end of the race. But unfortunately, due to starting grid infringement, which resulted in a 5 second time penalty and the race ending under the safety car, he dropped down to 8th in the final classification for the feature race, but nevertheless proved himself already that not only was he deserving of a podium, at the very least, but a championship contender as well for his performance in the race itself. In Australia, he had another brilliant qualifying session where he qualified in 4th, of which he then, through Colapinto's disqualification from the sprint race, secured 4th in the final class for the race before he not only got another top 5 finish in the weekend, but officially his first podium in FI Formula 3, as he finished for the feature race in third. After the first two rounds of the season, he is currently fourth in the championship with a grand total of 28 points so far in his Baden Formula 3 campaign. There is no doubt in my mind that Mini is truly someone that can be a serious and major championship contender in Formula 3, given just how great he has performed already at this point of the championship. Considering that his team Hitech are a very good team to be a part of in F3, should Mini continue to be consistent throughout the season with points finishes and scoring podiums as well as a few race victories potentially, then he will certainly be well within the fight for the FI Formula 3 championship this year come the end of the season in Monza. Regardless of what may happen after the season has been completed, if he is a contender for the championship, then I seriously don't see it being out of the question in any way that he then does move up to the FI Formula 2 championship in 2024. To end off the driver profile of Mini, on a personal note, at this year's Australian Grand Prix, Gabriel Mini was one of the first drivers from either the FI Formula 2 or FI Formula 3 championship, where I was lucky enough to get both his autograph and a photo with him. Overall, an absolutely great person to meet from personal experience. I very much wish Mini all the absolute very best for the remainder of his debut campaign in Formula 3. As always for me, thank you so very much for listening to the Next Generation AF2 and F3 podcast. And to the next episode, which will be the review of the Monaco round for the 2023 FI Formula 2 Championship. I wish you guys the absolute very best, and see you all next time.